all right hello everyone and welcome back i've been getting a lot of new listeners here who don't actually know me that well so i would like to take this episode and give you guys a little introduction to me kind of my story myself some things you guys might not know uh, i had both my friend my girl heather from pt shout out and uh sharice from the front desk both requested uh, kind of like a life before PT school, like get to know you episode. So here it is. So I was born uh, on a sunshiny day uh, in April of 1997. It was a Wednesday in Puyallup, Washington. And that is, that is where I stayed until I was 18 years old. I went to the same private school from the time I was 18 months old in daycare until the time I was 18 years old graduating from high school. And so I really kind of just grew up there with the same like 50 to 70 kids about, you know, we'd get (laughs) every now and then we'd get a new kid and that would be the talk of the town, but you know, pretty much the same kids and I just growing up together, living living life. Now, growing up in Puyallup was your typical cushy, predominantly white, middle-class, suburb, growing up experience. There's one main street in Puyallup and it's got all your fast food. It's got like a strip mall every hundred feet. It's got your actual mall. It's got your movie theaters. It's got everything you need, and then the rest of the town is like a hospital, a couple high schools, and like a bunch of families just going to soccer practice. Now, growing up in a town like this comes with a lot of unearned benefits, as you can expect, but it does also come with a lot of challenges. And I say this because kids from a lot of these families are mean, They have busy parents who don't know how to discipline them. And lots of times people just send their troubled teen to private school hoping that, you know, it'll fix them. And anyone with a brain could probably tell you that that mindset usually has the opposite effect on your teenager. And they're probably just gonna rebel more if you try and send them to private school instead of actually taking the time and love and care to discipline them from the heart of your parenting. Now, my parents were not in the troubled teen camp uh, with me, you know, contrary to popular belief. I am an only child and they always joke around that I was so good and so well behaved that they were always afraid to have another one because you know, he or she would probably just end up crazy. You can't get that lucky twice, you know? I have the most amazing relationship with both of my parents. They are very different people. Like my mom and I like to watch movies together and my dad and I like to go to wineries and go hiking and go on adventures together. So we like to do very different activities together separately. And then all together as a family, you know, we like to go on vacations and we do all go to wineries and stuff like that together as a family. I highly respect and look up to them and I truly could never have asked for a better childhood growing up. I have been very blessed beyond measure and I know that many, many people in this world are not able to say these same things about their parents, so I am very grateful for them. 
Now, even though I have had a relatively privileged life and upbringing, my parents were not so lucky. They met at 14, got married at 18, and then had me when they were 23. My dad was working three jobs when I was born, and my mom dropped out of community college when she had me in the spring and never went back. And so they instilled in me that nothing in life is handed to you for free. If you want something, you better work your butt off to go get it. I have always known that the second I even think about acting like a spoiled brat, it will all be taken away from me. You know, to who much is given, much is required, and much is expected. I think the topic of privilege is something I do want to address in this episode because it is sort of part of my story, but I would rather get on to, you know, kind of going through my life first and then we'll circle back in case you're getting bored of this conversation. Okay, so like I said, I lived in the same middle-class town my entire life growing up, and interestingly enough, I've had two people who I was friends with from like elementary through middle school-ish actually reach back out to me about this podcast because we still are connected through social media, you know, just about how life is going, just reaching out type thing. So I won't say their names because I always get permission from the person if I'm going to actually use their name on here, but I'll give you two stories so they know who they are. So one girl I used to make videos with on the computer photo booth app every Tuesday, uh, which I still have by the way, like picture your cringiest, middle school, early 2000s era girls in their Aeropostle t-shirts and their braces and the side bang, the side part, like that was us. (laughs) And so she lived pretty close to me and she was one of my better friends back in that time. In addition to my next door neighbor across the street and one of the kids down the hill from my house. The other girl is actually the next Legally Blonde. So Reese Witherspoon, look out. My most distinct memory I have with her is from when her mom threw us all this big April Fool's party where all the food was a joke. So like you bit into the cupcakes and it was cornbread and the frosting was mashed potatoes and stuff like that. And it was so much fun. Uh, So she's actually in law school right now, killing it, on set to graduate right around when I do. So see ya there with that little doctor hat, uh, walking across the stage, girl. So this girl was actually a valedictorian of our high school with me. Uh, We had three valedictorians, me, her, and one other girl, because they couldn't pick between us for whatever reason, I guess. And so in high school, I played volleyball and tennis for the first few years. Uh, I had a really fun freshman year of high school, loved it. Then sophomore year sucked, to put it lightly. And then things got a lot better during about the end of my junior year of high school when I went on that trip to Argentina with my friend KP who we all met in the Georgia episode. A little bit of a backtrack though so basically sophomore through early junior year of high school I started losing weight uh, a lot of weight very quickly because I started only eating healthy foods like I used to live on chicken nuggets and peanut butter sandwiches my entire life and when I was about 15 or so I was like oh you know maybe I should try a salad or something but my metabolism is too fast 
to eat only healthy things and I ended up losing so much weight unintentionally that I got down to 69 pounds and was rushed by ambulance to the hospital sophomore year over Thanksgiving. I had to stay in the hospital overnight until my resting heart rate at night could stay above 20 beats per minute the entire night. And that took several weeks. I guess it was dropping well below 20 beats per minute while I was sleeping every single night. All the nurses and the doctors were surprised that I was even alive at that point. And so that was pretty hard. I don't know why I'm alive. If I ever wanted to go anywhere, my mom would have to push me around the hospital in a wheelchair because they didn't want me burning a single calorie by walking down the hall and just kept encouraging me to eat anything that was unhealthy and bad for me. And it was just a very unhealthy relationship that they really kind of developed with food for me. And that is something I still have to deal with to this day nearly 10 years later. Like just two days ago, I got my annual flu shot and I ended up passing out unconscious in the middle of Target afterwards because I forgot to eat before I got my shot. And I know there are a lot of people out there who might love to donate a slower metabolism to me. So I just want to let everyone know that my mailbox is open and feel free to trade or send me a little bit of a slower processing system at any point, okay? <laughs> so now that I'm almost a PT and I have taken a lot of biology and nutrition and anatomy classes and all that, and I kind of know what's going on with my body scientifically, I really think that the treatment that I received at that hospital was pretty messed up, but I don't need to open that can of worms here right now. We can get into that later if someone is interested. So obviously everyone noticed I had missed a few weeks of school and stuff, and coming back from that experience is all kind of just a blur. I think I told people I was on vacation or something, I don't even remember, but to this day it's still incredibly hard for me to keep weight on and if I eat too healthy I can tell it in my cheeks that I'm losing weight and that's the sign for me. Uh, my cheekbones will become just a little too defined and I'm like great, okay, like gotta go slam some cupcakes or something. Which which doesn't seem like a bad thing to most people, but it really does get annoying once you live with it for 10 some odd years and you actually want to eat healthier. So I came back from that experience around the holidays for semester finals in high school. Ace them all. I honestly don't remember because I blacked out a lot of that time and those experiences from my mind to this day. And that's probably something I should should bring up with a therapist or something at this point, honestly. So then that spring, for spring break, I went on that school trip to Argentina and met some of my very best friends who I am still close with to this day. And the rest of high school was all really uphill and positive for me. And I ended it by, you know, giving a speech to all those suckers as valedictorian. Several trips I took in high school gave me the travel bug and since then I've been to 33 countries and counting and at least that many states. I've almost done all the states at this point. I've been to every continent except Antarctica, which 
I really have no desire to go to because I hate being cold if I don't have to be. Like skiing is worth the cold for me because I enjoy it, but not much else is. And besides, I have Raynaud syndrome, so it's got to be really worth it for me to let my fingers and toes go numb for a very prolonged period of time because that's just what my body does. Those trips have all been for various reasons, some volunteering, some internships, some studying abroad, some family vacations, some just solo trips, and one killer kontiki. So I'll probably just thread some travel stories throughout all of my episodes here as the timing is right and it fits the theme of the episode because I have way too many at this point and I am only 24. In college, I got my bachelor's degree in applied human biology with a minor in psychology. I had a relatively fun college experience for what it was. I also met some of my best friends there so I can't really complain. I had lots of fun and absolutely love the area where my campus was located in the Queen Anne neighborhood of Seattle. You'll be meeting my best friend Crystal who I met as my roommate while studying abroad in China right after our freshman year in undergrad in just three short weeks time. So get hyped for that everybody. She will be coming to the podcast. I gotta let you guys in on a little secret. So I let her pick the bed that she wanted first when we got to China. And we were just random roommates. They were just like, you guys want to live together? We were like, sure. And so she picked the one with bed bugs and left me with the good one. So, so sorry, girl, you know, love you. Sorry that you had to suffer. We can laugh about it now and shake it off. You know, it's, it's one of just one of those stories. I then graduated summa cum laude got my first ever and only B in chemistry to knock off my 4.0 for life. I'm only a little sad. And then immediately I went off on a big Baltic Sea cruise to Russia, Finland, Copenhagen, and a few other places with my parents and one of my other best friends from college, Sydney. Shout out, Sydney. And then I packed all my stuff up and road tripped across the country with my mom to graduate school where I started late that July. If you would like any details about my graduate school experience during my didactic coursework for the two years we had it, please see episode one of this podcast, please and thank you. Now I'm out on clinical rotations living in the Bay Area in California and absolutely thriving. I am currently living with my dog Lola, who I actually got as a puppy in the fifth grade. She's really old, she's 14 years old. My parents let me steal her for my first clinical rotation as a source of emotional support during all these crazy huge life changes. Now Lola is a little escape artist these days. My clinical instructor lets me bring her to work every Tuesday and Thursday and she just roams around the clinic and hangs out with us. So the other day while I was with a very intense patient who required a lot of guarding and just a lot of my attention and while my girl Sharice at the front desk who's usually on guard, you know, she was in the bathroom. Lola took an opportunity and escaped out of the clinic all by herself to go exploring. Now, it took us a few minutes to realize it, and when no one could find her, and I'm in the middle of guarding my modestest patient while he's walking backwards 
around corners and he also doesn't speak any English, I yell out for help and someone takes my patient, you know, they, they guard him for me so he doesn't fall over while I need to leave. And I sprint at like warp speed out to the parking lot just running around looking everywhere for Lola. I was terrified that she was gone. I just did, I had no clue where she could possibly be. Charisse had the foresight to remember that Lola is too much of a little princess to walk down the stairs that you have to go up to get to the clinic that's on the second floor. So she starts looking for Lola in the breezeway between the businesses because she's like, well, Lola isn't gonna go down the stairs. She couldn't have gone far, you know? And she winds up finding Lola at the acupuncturist next door. Lola had just made herself at home and was hanging out with the business owner there, just having a grand old time without us, I guess. And so we took her back into our custody and we chained her up to a chair in the office for the rest of the day to sit in time out. Now that experience was a little traumatizing for everyone involved to say the least. Now I did ask one of my regular listeners for her honest input on my podcast content for last week's episode and she told me first that she didn't like Andrew and that he came across as cocky and troubling with his drug use and I I was like, okay, okay, that's fair. I've gotten a little bit of, you know, negative reviews about that episode. They're like, that wasn't really you. Like, we want more of you. I got mixed reviews. And so I want to go in to kind of explain that episode. So I personally do not do drugs, but this podcast is a safe place to spread what you want to say about yourself and about the world, with the world, uh, without judgment. And so, if Andrew wants the world to know that he does drugs and that he smokes a bowl or two every night, then that is his life and that is his story, and I'm going to let him tell it. But this podcast does not condone or support drug use, just to make that clear for everyone. Now, this listener also brought up an important point about my privilege that I would now like to circle back to, like I said I would earlier in this episode. And so she made a very valid point that not everyone is able to be in a bunch of student debt and be able to travel to another state for a wedding on a whim. And I understand that, yes. And she also made a comment that there is a lot of hatred for Jeff Bezos and the, you know, quote-unquote rich people of the world because they are out there living in their million-dollar homes while all their workers struggle to get basic necessities and decent healthcare benefits. And so now here privilege and things like this is something that I would like to create an open dialogue about here. And please, please, please DM me any comments, questions, or critiques you have of what I am saying to my Instagram at uh, keeping up with Kennedy Ann. That's A N N, two N's, no E. And if you want me to address anything on the next episode, we can have a little debrief then if anyone would like. So now I am a very privileged white girl and I know this. I have always felt guilty and uncomfortable for how fortunate and privileged and blessed that I am. I know this isn't the most relatable thing to say, but I mean nothing in my life really has ever been that hard for me. Like if I try something once, 
months, I can usually do it. And I don't really know why that is, but more recently, this has been getting me into some trouble because I don't like for things to be easy. I like to work hard. So I just spend all this energy trying new things, fumbling around to see if something works or if something sticks, you know, kind of like this podcast, for example. Like to make my first episode of this took me less than half a day. I just watched a seven minute how-to YouTube video and I was like, ah, easy enough, and pumped out my intro that day, and I've been going ever since. However, just because everything has been, you know, quote-unquote easy for me, I have been through a lot of trauma over the past two years, and so realizing a lot about myself and the way I operate in the process of all that, I've gone through a lot of things solely on my own. And I think that really changes you as a person and gives you a level of confidence that you never knew was even possible to just like wake up in the morning and have for free without medication. So I really think having to go through the full spectrum of human emotion from the highest heights to the lowest depths has really taught me that privileged or not, we are all the same at our core. We all want love. We all want to feel like we belong and have connections with other people. And we all want to be successful in some way, whatever that means to you individually. Everyone needs to have that one period in their life that strips them down to their core and makes them think about who they are, who they are doing, the things they are doing for, and why they are doing them in the manner that they are doing them in. And I personally believe it is most beneficial to do this alone and not with a significant other or a partner or anything like that. You need to learn how to be alone before you can learn how to be with other people. And then looking back on all the trauma that you have been through on the other side of it, you can't help but be so thankful and so grateful beyond measure that it all happened exactly the way that it did and cut you so deep that you didn't even think you were going to survive because without that experience, you would not be the person you are today. So I want to use my privilege for good in any and every way that I can. Once I finally get a paycheck for treating these patients, I want to put my money back into mentorship programs for people who can't afford medical school, for adaptive equipment in schools, for kids who need special crutches that can hold their lunch trays so that they can get lunch with their friends, but who also come from families who cannot afford that type of luxury. Things like that. Honestly, one of the biggest things that has helped me get over my guilt over my privilege is having good role models to look up to in the media, kind of. So the people I choose to follow as role models are the biggest people that I look to for inspiration and how to use privilege and success for good. These are women who are insanely successful in what seems to be all areas of their lives, at least from an outsider's perspective. Now, no one's life is perfect, but I'd really like to live a day in one of their shoes just to kind of see what goes on. All right, everyone. So coming in at number one is none other than Reese Witherspoon. Always Reese Witherspoon. Next up is Ariana Grande. No question there, we could have seen that one coming. Our third runner up 
Miss Selena Gomez. And following Miss Gomez, we've got Miss Melinda Gates. Come on down. And I could keep going on and on, but I'm just going to stop here with none other than Miley Cyrus. In, you know, in certain ways, if you feel me, okay? So if you are listening and you've had a similar upbringing to me that has now wound you up at a place in life that other people have to work extremely hard for simply by chance of being born in the right place at the right time and it makes you a little uncomfortable. I'd recommend finding a few strong, influential, successful people like these women and watching the moves that they make over time. You'll probably learn a thing or two. So my last little thing I want to leave you guys with today is I'm gonna tell you my secret of how I have learned to fend off any man that you don't want to talk to and no questions asked. You could also be fending off a woman. This is an inclusive podcast. Okay, so what you're gonna do is you're gonna get on the internet and you're gonna find a website of your choosing to buy a ring set that can be, you know, it could look like an engagement ring, but also it could not look like an engagement ring, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, you get two stacked bands and you want them sparkly. You want them sparkling, looking like you could be a taken woman. Okay, and this is the key, everyone. This is the key detail. This ring that you choose, I don't care where you get it from, but it must have a significance or a meaning to you, okay? So the one that I got, it's a moonstone ring. And so what the meaning of a moonstone is, as ancient as the moon itself, the meaning of moonstone lies within its energy. The power can nourish, give passion, and awaken your feminine energies. It can heal you and guide you to your inner path. Together with the waxing and waning of the moon, it evokes tranquility that has a sensual, esoteric feel to it. It exudes a glowing vitality that can re-energize the mind and body and wash negativity away. Since it is enveloped by strong rays of gold, blue, and purple, Moonstone is perpetually embraced with gleaming white energy that makes it a protective gem. Now, I don't have a big book of secrets or anything, but this ring is for protection. This is literally just something that I bought because I thought it was cute. And then when I was in a situation, I made this theory up in the moment while I was wearing it. I usually wear it on my middle finger on my right hand. But when I didn't want to talk to someone, I, while he wasn't looking, I swapped it over to the, you know, my left ring finger and it worked and he thought I was married and he made a swift exit. So since then I have used this countless times if I'm at a bar alone or traveling alone or anything like that. So here is a plug for Moonstone. Everybody go get out there and use protection on these streets. It ain't easy out there. And I think that's the lesson I will leave you all with today. Learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and always use protection. And with that, we'll see you next Monday, everyone.